Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, juggling jobs and dog care and a spouse, all here in the backseat. I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapist, expressive arts therapist, and very inexperienced juggler, your mechanic. I'm Janice Azevedo, hitching a ride during spring break with this fun-loving crew on the relationship road trip. What are you juggling this week, drivers? is by Betsy Jacobson. Balance is not better time management, but better boundary management. Balance means making choices and enjoying those choices. Last week, we took our fast exit to significant other town, and this week, we're still visiting. We're discussing the delicate juggling act of careers and relationship life, and who better to join us for that than Janice Azevedo, Don's wife, my mother, and also Kim's mother. The two of them have experience in both dual and single career phases of their lives and obviously also raised some children. And I'm looking forward to hearing their insights on this. So without further ado, what types of partnerships we got? We got dual career. We got single career. We got, I mean, hopefully somebody has a career, right? (laughs) I suppose there's no career, but uh, (laughs) that's not so good. You want to start with dual or single? Well, so we're going to start with a dual career partnership. This is when both people in the couple have careers. I know, self-explanatory, but... One of the kids could have a career. Well, not all partnerships have kids. I know, I was just thinking of more people. Fair enough. Both individuals in the partnership have careers. There are a lot of benefits and a fair number of drawbacks in this situation, One of the big benefits is financial stability and additional resources. Obviously, when two people are working, there's additional income, there's more resources through the different insurance options you might have from each company, childcare if that's a need, stuff like that. Have you seen that that meme, Kim, that's like two kids, one money, and the person (laughs) looks sad, and then the other side says, no kids, three money, and the person looks really happy? (laughs) (laughs) We share that one back and forth a lot with my friends. Like that one kid, no money life or that no kid, three money life. Well, I mean, we have talked in the past about the financial, I was going to say the financial burden, but that sounds so negative. Obligation. (laughs) The financial aspects of having a child and how that plays into relationships and having a dual career relationship means that there's more financial support for the child. And it also comes with the fact that Both parents are away working a significant amount of time. And so spending time with the child becomes more rare. And you have to really put boundaries around work to be able to create that stabilized home environment with the kid. And that's one of the balances that we're talking about here. So dual career partnerships, the boundaries that you need to navigate there are different than if one partner is in a career and the other is staying at home. Another really good 
benefit from a dual career partnership that you can see in single career partnerships is the independence and sense of self. We've talked about the amount of energy and identity that we put into our careers. So having both people seeking their careers and really finding themselves through work can help with that sense of self and that sense of you and me creating this relationship. There's also that general common goal of success and wanting to watch each other succeed in their careers. Again, this is something that can be seen in that single career as well, just consistently pursuing that goal together. One of the more challenging aspects of this is having the trailing partner. So inevitably, someone is going to retire first. It's fairly rare for both partners to retire at the same time. I know my parents are going through that in the not too distant future and have been planning and communicating around it. And that's one of the important parts with these challenges is the communication. And I know we say it every episode because it is really important. Another challenge that dual career partners might face is maintaining balance with the high stress. So obviously having a career, lots of stressors. Stuff blows up at work and you're at home and suddenly time with your partner is getting interrupted. And if you're not good at creating the boundary of when I leave work, I need to be able to transfer to being a partner and a parent, if that's a role of yours, that can really impact the relationship. Communicating around this and understanding. So allowing influence of some people's jobs might have after hours calls. I know it's fairly rare, but Don, you've had after hours calls or you've had weekend calls that you've had to address. I said fairly rare because I'm thinking of my own client cases. Sorry. I don't have after hour calls because my clients know better. My clients just don't have much going on as far as meeting <laughs> after hours. <laughs> You're really digging this hole deeper. I am. But I it's am. not just it's not just calls. I mean, there's emails, there's right. other ways. Right. Mama does tons of stuff Mama, after Mama's hours, but it, it's not me. calls. It's like right emails and other work. Well, and recognizing the boundaries as a teacher, right? And maybe mama, you can chime in here of creating that boundary of when does work end for you? Because I know it doesn't. So how do you balance the end of your work day and being a partner to Papa? Oh, great questions and things to to think about. As a younger teacher, 20 years ago, I was not good at the balance. And so I would sneak work in whenever I could. And like there really wasn't... Like your daughter cut out laminates. Yeah. So Kim, you used to help me cut out teaching materials or I have memories of both of you coming to my classroom just to help me clean it on a teacher work day. But... A lot of my work hours happened after you went to bed where I was working on paperwork and documentation and data and I work in special education. So we have a lot of formal paperwork to to keep up with. So having that balance when I was younger was really hard. I wasn't very good at it. And now I'm nearing the end of my career and I'm a little bit older and wiser, maybe. I don't know. It's different. My 
my work team has done a phenomenal job of embracing resilience and the concept of supporting self-care as a teacher. And so this year, my work group has been learning about self-care and the idea of having boundaries and putting the oxygen mask on yourself first and taking care of yourself first so that you can take care of others. That's been a common theme throughout my whole life. I've just not always been good at doing it. I'd love to hear both of you talk through some of these, the dual career parts of your relationship, because most of your marriage has been dual career, right? Yes, that's correct. The majority of it. There's There are a few phases where... It was about six years in there where Janice stayed home and I worked. Let's clarify, because... We've mentioned in previous episodes as well as of one person bringing in a paycheck and the other person not working, that other person's not working for a paycheck. They are working. And I think that was a really big turning point for me. And I got this from Papa's support. I was not necessarily working for a paycheck when I stayed at home when the two of you were little. But I was working and I often did other jobs within Papa's company and business to support the family. But he was always good at recognizing and supporting the work that I did, even though I wasn't bringing in a paycheck. And I want to talk about both things. So what I want is for you to dig into some of the pros and cons, basically, that Kim just laid out. I want to hear from Don and Janice, like how that played out in your relationship. And we started with dual career. So let's talk about that first. What did you think about the additional financial stability or like the trade-off for childcare, that kind of thing, spending time with us, the sense of independence or sense of self, like talk through those things. I want to know what you two think about it. I'm going to start off on that one because as a teacher, everyone knows that salary-wise, We're not making a whole lot of money in comparison to the business world. And so what was a huge deciding factor for me to not work for a paycheck as a teacher and stay home with you guys when you were little was the balance of how much money I was bringing in and the cost of daycare. And Mm. so when Papa and I sat down and looked at my net pay and your cost of daycare for, now this is a long time ago, was $1,200. Okay. Nowadays, now? I know that $1,200 is like one child, not two. I get that. And I was bringing home net pay of, I'm sorry, I got the numbers flipped. I was bringing home net pay of $1,200. Your childcare daycare was $800. Mm. And I was like, why am I doing this for $400? This is nuts. And so we took a look at the stressors of, well, if I wasn't working and I've always carried the benefits, what does that look like? And we pulled everything apart to see and rebalance and see if it was something that we could do. And then we chose to do that. When you started that, did you have an end to that in mind? Like you did it for about six years. When you started, did you say, I'm going to do this for six years and then go back to work or kind of a long-term plan? (laughs) Well, that was a a more complex thing. It really depended on where my career went in terms of was I now earning enough money that she didn't have to, that she had a choice. So we didn't predict it. What we said is that when Kim went to kindergarten, 
that would be the year before that would be the year that we would assess mm. what to do. And that's part of the dynamic problem solving, mutual construction of a life. One of the advantages to having the dual income is that gave us a buffer to give you guys opportunities to do things like piano lessons or ballet or soccer, all the rest of those things. If it hadn't been for that second career, we would have had enough for all of the basics and we would have had a grand time, but not all of the supplemental things. And that's really the big part there. We could give you more. Like we took you traveling to different places and that came from the both of us bringing money into it. You know, and what made it work is Mama and I had common goals that we revisited frequently. And we said, is this still the goal? And are we working a plan that's getting us to the goal? And what parts of the plan that we're working need to go away and which new ones do we need to put in to get us there faster? And that was pretty much a constant reevaluation so that we were moving through iterations, trying to get the outcome we were looking for. I think we met every Saturday morning with coffee at like oh dark hundred before the kids would wake up so that we could have a conversation about how are we doing? Where are we headed? <laughs> What's new? And then Ben and I <laughs> would grab pillows and camp out in the hallway until they opened the door so that we could have Saturday fun. That's correct. How are y'all feeling about the trailing partner situation? I have a, a different interpretation of trailing partner, actually. I was thinking about when you have two careers that have the potential to move around a lot in terms of where you live or in terms of the amount of hours that you're working. So for me, I guess my career as a teacher has always been in a supportive role for the family, but it's not ever been in the leading role in terms of a career for the family. Like it, it would be pretty unlikely that we would move anywhere because of my teaching job. There was a better likelihood that we might move somewhere because of Don's job. So that was what I was thinking about in trailing careers. You did move a lot when Papa was in the army. Yes. Yeah, six times in 10 years. Right, so there was that trailing aspect. So you've done that as well. And you can speak to that dynamic as well as the retirement one, which I know you guys are currently navigating. So you might, I don't know what the insight there is at the moment or if it's a hot topic or not. I'm going well, out first. <laughs> yeah, mama is retiring first. Hey, it's the way it goes. And I probably won't retire for a couple of more years, maybe up to five more years after she retires. And that will be an interesting dynamic. So she'll have free time because no kids to take care of. You know, she'll have more free time, and that will be interesting to see how jealous I get. <laughs> Papa gets jealous of me because I have the summer months off, and our our roles of who does what and so forth changes during the summer because I have time to do other things. So what's it like? What does the conversation usually play out as when you're communicating around these changes and the different dynamics that naturally occur given the two types of work that you do? Well, so it would depend on what's happening in that particular year. So if um, we're talking about when you guys were in high school, 
very different conversation. Usually, the summer months, I was preparing to go to band camp, which happened, what, in late July? First week yeah. of August, late July. First week, yeah. There. So... There were different kinds of conversations. When you guys were in college, it was a different set of conversations. Now, at this point, really, Mama is very free in the summer, and there's not a whole lot to do because we're only taking care of each other, and we manage that pretty well. And the house. And there's only only so much housework you can possibly do, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Well, and so what do those conversations look like. So, I mean, you're talking about when Ben and I were kids, it was Saturday morning, oh, dark 30 with a cup of coffee, um, trying to fit it in before the kids came in and terrorized you. Now, is it still a structured, let's sit down and talk once a week? Is it a rolling conversation while you're cooking dinner? What does it look like and how do you fit it into your lives? It's more a rolling conversation. And because the financial burden of raising the two of you um, isn't there anymore, there's not as much pressure to try and, and dance around stuff. There's, I mean, a lot of times in the summer, mom is saying, are you getting your, all your notes done so that we can have a weekend? Go, go, go. Well, and I think the, the conversation rolls depending on what the topic is too. So like if we're maybe revisiting how are we doing financially? Or if we're revisiting like, okay, these are the chores for this week. When are we doing these things? And then sometimes we have rolling conversations about planning vacations or planning dinner events for birthdays or getting together with family, that kind of thing. I thought she was about to say Dawn's friends. So it depends on the topic as well as to how often we're revisiting things. And it's a lot easier now. We want to talk about single partner. Nope. Single career partnerships. Still <laughs> yeah. two single or single more partner. partners, one career. Yeah. So we can transition over to the other dynamic that you as parents have experienced, which is the single career partnership. And as Mama noted, it's never really single career as the person staying at home does have their own career that's just not paid, whether that is raising children or being at home, right? You're still taking care of the home, taking care of the dynamics that are there. Single career, this dynamic, we're looking at one person who is going out into the workforce for the monetary aspect and gaining a pain paycheck. Again, just like the other one, there are pros and cons of each situation. One of the dynamics of this makes scheduling a little bit easier because you're only working around one work schedule. The other person is mama's shaking her head no. Keep going. I will hold my comment for a minute. (laughs) Oh, dang. Mama's bringing the heat. About scheduling. I'm well now I'm just not going to talk because I'm clearly wrong. Yikes. So what about scheduling mama do you want to say? Oh, that frequently uh, scheduling when I'm not working and you are working, I think it's cumbersome because I have to go through a whole bunch of hoops to interrupt your day. Or if we haven't planned it ahead as a conversation, what's your week look like? And sometimes what happens is things get scheduled, but we don't always quite catch up with the schedule and... It, it does require a fair amount of attend- attention and conversation. It's not as easy as you think. <laughs> what I'm hearing is you need to communicate around it. 
Absolutely. Right. Also, what you're hearing is when she doesn't have work, like in the summers, she's very much more spontaneous. (laughs) And my schedule doesn't allow for that. Yeah, Mama, think back to when we were little. Right. Those six years, what was scheduling like then? Because not only, not necessarily easier, maybe easier is the wrong word, but you would have been caught up in whatever schedule Kim and I needed as small kids and then coordinating that with Papa's work schedule. So, yes, but frequently Papa's work schedule blended way into the weekend. So he did a lot of corporate work. He did consulting. We did workshops on the weekend. And then there were paperwork to keep up with, which is supposed to happen on Fridays, doesn't always happen on Fridays. And it would leach into the weekend and frequently would interfere with plans that might have been. Hmm. Well, so again, if we take out that communication aspect, right, of needing to communicate around these things, the dynamic that I was reading about in single career partnerships is that you're not looking at having to schedule around two different work schedules. So if a child needed to go to the doctor's office, one person has more flexibility in what they're doing in the day-to-day that they could make that happen or pick the kid up from school if they are sick. That was the easier scheduling, which perhaps is not well-worded. And Um, yeah, it's less to do... It's not that you're not busy. It's not that your schedule isn't overwhelming. It's that you have flexibility, which perhaps is the wrong thing for you two because with Don being self-employed most of the time, an entrepreneur, he he did have actually more flexibility than he would have if he were working for the man. I want to reflect on that because it came up when I was writing about this of when both mama and papa were working, usually our emergency contact said, call papa, call twice, because he was the one that had more flexibility to leave work if needed to pick us up. There was the snafu at the YMCA when they wouldn't release me to him because (laughs) he was my father and not my mother. That was great. Um, Paperwork. Gotta have paperwork. uh, Oh man, so salty. It was my birthday too. Yes. Anyway, so scheduling dynamics are very different in the single career partnership. Another thing that's very different is the specialization in roles. So the person who is going to the career workforce has a very different set of tools and understandings and a different role in the family than the person who is staying at home who then really builds strong communication and connection with the kids, if that's who's there, routines within taking care of the house, personal routines that they have. It creates a more structured role set. So, I mean, we talked about that last week of the roles of the household and having a single career individual puts more, I mean, in some ways it's limitations and in other ways it is structure around who is able to pick up what within the house. Another pro, according to the article I was reading as I glimpsed through the internet, is lower tax rates, which I don't know a ton of information about. I am woefully ignorant. I know the basic concept of if you're on one income, obviously you're making less money than if you had two incomes. Or hypothetically, you're making less money. (laughs) No kids, three money. Right. More dependence too. Right. 
Well, and we're if not, you have dependents, right? Because yeah. not all single single career partnerships have dependents. But a single career partnership would have one dependent, which would be the spouse that's not generating income. Oh, I didn't know that's how that worked. So yeah, See? you'd be in a pretty low tax bracket. Unless you made a lot of money with the single career. <laughs> Which is a whole different set of issues. <laughs> Indeed. So some of the things that come with this single career partnership is understanding the stress of each job. And as Mama pointed out earlier, yes, being the stay-at-home individual is a job. There are routines, there are you know skill sets, there's all of these things that you build into what it's like to stay at home. And as Don pointed out, recognizing that the stay-at-home person, that job doesn't end at five. Uh, the job doesn't even start at nine. That job starts when you open your eyes and ends when you close your eyes. So for the career individual, and sometimes it gets interrupted and that's your after-call hours when your child wakes you up in the middle of the night. To let you know that they vomited. Someone and even when you're you on vacation, that. you're still doing your job. Right. I, I have a brief question about this. And I don't know how this plays out. One area that y'all don't have experience in is had mama stayed at home long term. Past the point when Kim and I could take care of ourselves and we're off doing things. We're not there is that? Yet, oh, are we getting to that? It says navigating transition periods. Well, okay, but this is related to what you're talking about, which is why I wanted to bring it up. Okay. Like the the stay-at-home job starting when you wake up and not ending till you go to sleep and being very challenging and difficult when the kids older, and I don't even think once just once they're in school because when they're young there's still so much going on. But maybe once they're in high school and they're like more able they're more able to help out around the house as well. So some of those chores are offset a little bit and if you have stayed home throughout all of that and have established a routine, a structure, you've built this job, is there opportunity for the hours, uh, which I'm using air quotes here, of the job to be a shift in the morning, essentially, and a shift in the evening with some downtime in the middle? So there is some recovery period to the, to what is a grueling job. I'm thinking a little bit of maybe Sarah's mom later, again, later, like once the kids were in high school or even college, and there's a little bit less to do around the house constantly, that there's maybe some downtime in there to have more personal time to be able to, again, not have such a grueling job of constantly dealing with household stuff from morning to night. Well, and as we've reiterated a thousand times talking about it, of navigating what does that look like for each partner? Is that a time for the person staying at home to go volunteer? We had a next door neighbor who is a career stay-at-home individual and started volunteering at the school library. Well, you asked, is there more space, right, when that happens? And one of the things I wanted to put in is how our society talks to women and what the expectations are. And I was going to, Mama, you can talk about the list because there's this huge list of all of the shoulds and oughts that need to happen that may not get to because they're way low on, on the list. So anytime you get time, some women struggle with using that for themselves instead of doing those lower items on the list. Mama, can you prepare me and tell me what the list is? Because that sounds really stressful. Well, so sometimes partners have lists of the things that 
need to get done in order to keep things moving along in terms of the household or the children or whatever. And our lists are different. And the order in which they get done is frequently different. And I know one of the things that I've struggled with is as in my earlier years was the balance between work and play. And I often felt like I was always working to keep things going and Papa would work, but he was also much more easier to play. And that's been a struggle for me because I'm like, we got to get that list done. We have to get the entire list done and then we can play. And so it was a difference in how we accomplish things. Papa would work for a while and then he would play for a while. Work for a while, play for a while. Boundaries. And I would just keep working. But then also the things that were on our list in order of priorities were very different. Again, communication on how do we resolve that conflict or how do we resolve the differences in what we think needs to be done. It's important. Sure. And there are things like shelf paper in your cabinets. And Kim's giving me the face of what the hell is that? Oh, I know exactly what it is. That pretends to keep the cabinet clean. Yes. Right. I was like, like, I that. know exactly what it is. The face was, but why? It pretends well, to keep the cabinet clean. Because it pretends. Again, this was a societal thing in the 60s. Uh, well, and then you, for then us. you take all your plates out and then you take the cabinet paper out and you put new cabinet paper in and you put all the plates back in. Yeah. Now listen, I'm making fun of it. That's part of spring cleaning. I'm making fun of it, but the last time I did a super duper deep kitchen clean, I cleaned the tops of my cabinets. Not even, not just the insides, the tops. I climbed up there, scrubbed them down. It took forever. And what did I do when I was done? I put down a bunch of paper towels so it'd be a little easier next time. (laughs) You know, they make this product called shelf paper that you can... Anyway, it wasn't a shelf, was it? So one of the things that happens is giving yourself permission to play as well as work. And this is where boundaries come in. You can work every hour of every day and you won't get it all done. You'll just die. Get as much as you can done. Play some. Get more done. Play some more. It's the experiences and interactions with other people that are what make life full and rich. It really isn't. I knocked out all of the items on my list. Full and rich and... We're celebrating. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) The world's slowest setup and dunk. (laughs) But it is important. If you don't play, if you don't enjoy life, what's the purpose of getting the list done? To have all of the check boxes checked. Yeah, accomplishment, Don. And then what does that give you? Will you get at the end of your life? At the end of your life, they'll say, you know, always had fresh shelf paper. (laughs) Listen, it's the things that make you excited. Okay. For those of us who don't have partners, I mean, obviously, shelf paper is the most exciting thing in my life. I'm going to check out the shelf paper next time I come visit your apartment. All right. Well, thanks to COVID, it won't be anytime soon. Although we're both vaccinated. Yeah. All right, let's let's get back on topic. 
Well, we were talking about navigating transition periods. And Ben, you brought up that when the kids are old enough, if kids are involved in the dynamic, how does that change with one person in career and the other person being the home-based career individual? (laughs) The home career. What's the current term for that? Homemaker? Is that bad or is that good these days? I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but homemaker is... Um, I like that one because it is gender neutral right. and it sounds like a job. Yeah. Like, because it, it is. Used to be, it, right. That's what, that's my it, point. It's not like, oh, I'm not like stay, a stay at home. Right. I don't know. It used to stay be what, mom? I think it used to term. be, it used to be domestic engineer. Oh, oh. that's dope. Actually. 1970s. That's a fancy one. Well, I, I don't like know it. how people feel about that, but that sounds cool to me. What yeah. domestic engineer. When you think about it, if you're running a family from home, you're running logistics for transportation, just-in-time manufacturing, recycling of materials. All of those things are happening, right? You got to get kids to and from school. That's logistical planning for transportation. Just-in-time manufacturing getting groceries to the house to make dinner and breakfast and lunch and all the rest of those things. You have to coordinate all of that. It's yeah, I mean, big I, I project think, planning. I think all four members of this podcast are on board for domestic engineer. Right. Petition to just call it domestic engineer here. All right. Um, so transition periods, Kim. Right. Once thank more. you. I would like We're to finish We're making a transition this. here. <laughs> so navigating the what happens if the child is a part of this equation and they move on, or just as the person who is the domestic engineer grows and changes within themselves if they desire to go out and do something else. The key of this is talking to each other. Are we financially stable enough that I could go volunteer? Do I need to have a career? Talking about the fact that you want change as the domestic engineer partner because that, if you don't talk about that, you start to breed that resentment. This person gets to leave and go do their career, whether or not they're happy at their career, right? The vision is you're doing something different than what I'm able to do in this moment. Communicating about that, talking about that. I have a couple of friends who one partner works at a time and one person was doing this job. They eventually stopped their job and the other partner went into the workforce so the other person could become the domestic engineer. And they traded out like that because they started to build up that I need to go do something uh, situation. And volunteering wasn't really financially responsible for that their particular situation. So I wanted to say one other thing about the idea that the domestic engineer raising kids and the last child goes off to college, that's like being fired from your job. Think about that. But only part of it. I mean, the child care and rearing isn't the entire job. No, it's not. But often it's the most meaningful part of the job. So maybe not fired, maybe demoted. (laughs) Almost Uh, worse. Something something that that reflects the fact of the incredible loss. I mean, it's different than I have a career in psychology. Unless I lose my license, I get to do that the entirety of my adult life, if that's what I choose. But if you wanted to do child raising, when your last kid leaves the house, you're done. Now you um, file for a license to get more. Become you got to go find parent. some more kiddos. <laughs> Which, I mean, there are people who more. do that. Uh-huh. Yeah, because that become foster fulfilling. parents and yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Well, but no, I, you have a good point, though. It's yeah. a significant 
it's a career shift for that person. And, and it needs to be treated as a career shift by the couple. That's a good, that's a good note. One of the other big things to consider in a single career partnership is financial insecurity and recognizing that if the person who is in the workforce and bringing home a paycheck gets sick or something happens or they lose their job, the family structure is very intensely shook. Or a divorce happens. And navigating that and communicating around that, the different dynamics, I know Don and Janice, you guys can talk about the times I know in grad school, Mama, you were the one, I keep switching back, Janice and Mama. Mama, you were the one doing more of the career work. I know, Papa, you did pizza delivery, if I remember correctly. When I was in graduate school. Yes, that's correct. And balancing those dynamics. And there was a period in time where Papa's job situation was in flux. And navigating those different things as it was a single career partnership during those periods, one with kids and one without kids. So what was that like? How did you guys communicate around that transition and those stressors? Well, I will address when we were newly married and Papa was in, Don was in graduate school and I was working not in teaching because I couldn't find a teaching job that paid enough money for us to live on. And Papa was delivering pizza and singing in a choir. And we would just do what we needed to do to make ends meet. We worked really hard back then. And what's interesting is that we didn't really have the communication tools to figure it out. I remember many times like being upset and not knowing how to say why I was upset and crying in the shower because we didn't know how to talk to each other. We learned over time how to talk to each other and how to share the intimate parts of our feelings and our lives and coordinating schedules and the work stressors and the graduate school stressors. And over time, we learned how to to talk to each other, with each other, and navigate together. But we didn't know how to when we first got married. So what are some of those skills, those things that you learned to better communicate? Well, paying attention to triggers. <laughs> Sorry. Well, yes, cutting cutting people off. <laughs> paying, I'm, I'm paying really attention. good at cutting people off. <laughs> yes. She has established a, a doctoral degree in cutting people off. <laughs> I'm staying out of this one. So one of the things was the willingness to slow down and accept that there is a different point of view, that the way either of us was seeing it at any given point in time was not the right way, but that both points of view were valid. And so we needed to really understand them in order to find a solution. We learned how to talk to one another about what our needs were in each of those situations, rather than the solution we hoped to get. So most fights are about the solution that you have predetermined rather than talking about the needs that solution might fit. We learn those things. We also learn not to take ourselves so seriously, to step back and see the humor in what was going on and how we could do it. And some of these things weren't particularly humorous. Some of them were really difficult. And humor helps. Humor that's not at the expense of anyone, right? So not not sarcasm. 
Which, listeners, if you can't tell, humor runs in the family. Or at least we think we're funny. I know I'm funny. (laughs) I would never be so bold as to call myself funny. Okay. Validation of points of view, accepting influence, going beyond solutions down to needs. Those were the things that we learned over probably the first seven years of our marriage and then have been refining ever since then. One of the other things that we learned and we used the visual of instead of being on opposite sides of a problem that we would stand together and be on the same side looking at the problem. And that always helped us figure out a new way. Even if you had opposing opinions about the problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We wouldn't let the problem be between us. We always stood together to solve the problem. You learned to. Yes. Yeah. Because it didn't always start that way. And that's an important thing for our listeners to hear is this didn't start that way. There were many misunderstandings, many fights, and it was a lot of learning to get to the point where despite having different opinions, we stand on the side of the problem together to look at it for a solution. And and I wasn't kidding when I said it was about seven years of really wrestling with this stuff. And what kept us there instead of saying, oh, forget this is too hard commitment. This was a choice we made and I want to enjoy the choice. So that means I have to understand the ramifications of that choice, how it works and how it doesn't. You want to, I want, can I amend that slightly? Sure. You want to enjoy the choice you've made. And so you have to work, you have to do the work to enjoy. You were talking just earlier about how you have to have that. You got to work and then you got to play and then you got to work and then you got to play. You're not going to have one with the the other and you can't just spend your whole life doing one of them. That's right. Or you shouldn't spend your whole life just doing one of them. Well, it's like breathing out and breathing in. You can't always breathe out and you can't always breathe in. You need the dynamic exchange to keep life going. Okay, so everyone, a deep breath. (laughs) Tried to see how long I could hold Deep breath in for the count of three. (laughs) Kim, are you going to get get Gottman up in here? Our pal? No, I I think we... We transitioned in that pretty smoothly, and they talked about the skills. I don't think we need to credit him. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Dr. Gottman. Not today. (laughs) Not today. This one is not sponsored by Dr. Gottman's wisdom. Well, because Don and Janice both explained their way of doing it, which, yes, mirrors some of the tools that are taught in Dr. Gottman's skill sets, but are also somewhat different. and unique to how they've developed over time. And I mean, if people are interested in learning more about Gottman Method or want Gottman Method training, they can get it at Azevedo Family Psychology from both Dr. Azevedo and myself. We are both trained in this method. And that's a good point too, right? I think that if you're listening to this show and you're hearing some personal examples from Don and Janice, and you can learn a lot from that, but maybe you're feeling like, well, that sounds great, but I'm here at year one out of seven and I have no idea what I'm doing. How did they get there? That may be something that you do seek some external help for or look for more, even just on your own, look for resources. There's lots of stuff out there. (laughs) Go study, do the work. Read a book together. Learn something. Again, you don't get married on your wedding day. You get married every day. You have to do it every single day. And some days it's harder than others. Amen, brother. We hope you enjoyed this deeper dive into single and dual career partnerships with some personal insights from Don and Janice. Thank you, Janice, for joining again this week. 
There's pros and Thanks cons to ride. both. <laughs> but whatever your situation, <laughs> it takes a lot of work to maintain a relationship and a podcast. <laughs> If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, feel free to reach out on either our Facebook or our trusty email address. Thank you, as always, for listening. And until next time, enjoy the drive. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azavitofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services, from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always in your back. And may the sun shine warm upon your face. 